Check out these two Saudi princes. This one's the 57-year-old crown prince. And this one, the one doing all the hand kissing, is his younger cousin. Listen to what the older cousin is saying. He's being forced to give up his power and to pass the crown prince title to his younger cousin, a guy who's almost half his age. This is Mohammed bin Salman. In the West, we just call him MBS. And since this moment in June, he's consolidated power so swiftly and so thoroughly that in Saudi Arabia, they just know him as Mr. Everything. As Crown Prince, MBS will become king. And with all of this new power, MBS is seeking to assert his dominance throughout the Middle East. One of his big policies has been a vehement opposition to Saudi Arabia's neighbor, Iran. And on that note, he has found an ally in the White House. Inside the kingdom, MBS is also seeking to cement his authority and dominance over the royal family. Saudi Arabia's young crown prince arresting hundreds of his own cousins and- Crackdown on corruption. 11 princes and nearly 40 current or former officials detained, reportedly being held at the lavish Ritz-Carlton. Yes, if you're a Saudi prince, jail is the Ritz-Carlton. MBS called this a corruption crackdown, and he branded himself as the financially responsible anti-corruption leader. But we're talking about a guy who recently purchased one of the most expensive homes in the world, and who last year spent a half a billion dollars on a painting. He clearly had other motives for this crackdown beyond fiscal responsibility. One thing to realize is that the Saudi royal family is made up of thousands of members who use public money generated from oil revenues to fund their unthinkably excessive lifestyles. So it wouldn't be hard for MBS to crack down on anyone he wants to. Coming into power, MBS's second big move was to loosen the strict moral and social rules of the kingdom. He stripped the religious police of their right to make arrests. He expanded women's rights in society, including giving them the right to drive. On the surface, these are progressive social reforms meant to modernize Saudi society. But like the anti-corruption crackdowns, the move is another effort to seize power. Saudi society is built on a sort of pact between the royal family, which is called the House of Saud, and the vast religious establishment run by conservative Islamic clerics. The clerics give the Saud family legitimacy by giving them their blessing as rulers of the kingdom. In exchange, the family allows the clerics to strictly enforce their uncompromising, puritanical version of Islam within the kingdom. This Faustian bargain means that Saudi princes, like MBS and others, can live these indulgent lifestyles and make deals with the West, but still retain religious legitimacy in the eyes of the public. It's a balance that has kept the kingdom stable in this very volatile region. But now MBS has violated his family's part of the bargain arresting hardline clerics who might speak out against his progressive reforms. This could shake one of the foundational pillars of Saudi society. The third way MBS is shaking up the kingdom is his plans for the economy. The kingdom's revenue comes almost entirely from oil. Demand for oil has remained solid for decades, and Saudi has reaped the rewards of that. But in 2014, the price of oil started to drop, and it became clear that betting the entire kingdom's economy on this one resource was a dangerous strategy for the future. So MBS wants to end what he calls this oil addiction in order to prepare for a world after oil. He's laid out a vision for privatizing a lot of the sectors within the Saudi economy and breaking up this giant government-owned oil business. 
but this reform could also create more instability. Thanks to the endless oil money, Saudi citizens are entitled to a lifelong set of benefits like free healthcare and subsidized housing. But as MBS tries to privatize the economy and move away from oil, this subsidized lifestyle that so many Saudis enjoy could be threatened. And the public support that has kept this monarchy so solid for so many years could begin to dwindle. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is on the brink of one of the biggest transformations in its history. As this young leader consolidates power to upend the status quo, he may also upend the pillars that have kept the kingdom one of the most stable countries in the Middle East. We've been sending creatures up into space for a long time, and tardigrades, among other microorganisms, are special in that they can withstand these extremes of temperature, so they decided, well, let's see if they can withstand the real vacuum, and the perfect vacuum is in space. As we send tardigrades into space, the, the question has to arise, maybe tardigrades came from space if they can withstand it. I consider myself a naturalist. I've been called a naturalist in a classical sense, which, for example, and I'm not comparing myself, but Charles Darwin was a natural naturalist. He made a contribution to science. So basically, I'm just an ordinary person, and uh, I like nature, like most people do. And um, being in nature sort of wants to make me study it a little bit more. I, I wanted to make a contribution to science, modestly. I didn't think I'd do anything great, but something, maybe something that somebody hadn't done. And in just looking for various things to do, uh, the word tardigrade came up. Didn't even really know what a tardigrade was till I looked into it. So tardigrades are little microscopic creatures. They're about a millimeter or less in size. They're very tiny. Basically, it's a little caterpillar-like creature. It looks like a caterpillar with eight legs, and it has claws, which look like bear claws. That's why it's called a, a water bear. They have a mouth. They have a digestive tract. They have muscles. They have a nervous system. So they're similar to us in that way. Um, they're like insects in that they have that hard shell skin which uh, they reproduce with eggs um, and then they molt their skin and they use their whole body to uh, facilitate digestion. We don't really know how they evolved. We can't even guess. We don't know what other species they're related to um, because they're so different and of course their ability to withstand as far as heat, they can survive uh, 120 degrees Celsius, which is 240 degrees Fahrenheit, two or 300 degrees below zero, vacuum of space, a thousand atmospheres of pressure, x-rays, ultraviolet radiation. Uh, so the tardigrades can survive all of these extremes. Now, if you're looking for tardigrades and you want to find a good habitat, trees like this, which have deep furrows in the bark, are best. So tardigrades have gone into space where there is a perfect vacuum. And also there's a lot of um, solar radiation and ultraviolet and X-ray radiation in space. And it's very intense. It's something more than we can create here on Earth. 
So that was a great way to test them. And they came back and survived. Did tardigrades come from space? Anything is possible. We might have come from another galaxy. The problem is distances across space are so large. And even if you're traveling as fast as anything can travel, which is the speed of light, it would take hundreds, if not thousands of years to go from one galaxy or one planet to another. So in that time frame, anything can happen. You can't colonize planets that way. Not, not now, not as far as we know. So the answer right now is anything is possible. I don't have a personal theory about it. Do I believe in extraterrestrial life, that life exists outside this planet? Yeah, I do believe that. Just because I believe in odds and possibilities and because the universe is infinite, if you can just grasp that, which is hard enough to do. There might be other forms of life right under our nose, such as tardigrades, which are right here, which did come from other planets. We don't know that though. When I did a little research on it, I found out there wasn't really that much known about tardigrades. Um, and in fact, I read one scientific paper and found that uh, New Jersey, the state I was living in at the time, had zero tardigrades showing on the map. So I said, well, <clears throat> let's see if I could find a tardigrade. Visited all 21 counties in New Jersey and found that tardigrades are ubiquitous, which means they're everywhere. So I wrote a scientific paper, um, found various species, took photographs, identified the trees, their habitat, and that paper will be published soon. Um, it's being reviewed now by one of the prominent tardigradeologists, and perhaps have even found a new species of tardigrade. Um, so that's under a review now. I've sent my slides off for analysis. Now, wait a second. This could also be a good tardigrade habitat. This is just ordinary moss. You just take a piece of moss out and place it into a coin envelope or a paper bag. And what you'll find is, even though it's dry right now, once you rehydrate it, tardigrades will appear. So we're going to place this moss into the envelope. How do tardigrades go into what's called cryptobiosis or suspended animation? I mean, that's pretty fascinating. They just curl up into a little ball. They create a very hard shell. And somehow, some way within, there's a seed of moisture, a molecule of water that preserves them inside this encrustment. The lifespan of a tardigrade, if it was just moving around in the water and you were observing it, might be, be only six months. But because it dries out, rehydrates, dries out, rehydrates, dries out, rehydrates. This could be done over a period of many, many years. You know, this is how they, they preserve themselves. Sometimes they can be 100 years old that way. Now there's a wee little tardigrade for you. So what we want to do is actually get to look at them close up. We'll change this objective to a tighter, more powerful lens. Okay, now let's see close up how he looks. So when you're looking through the microscope and you're seeing this little tardigrade moving around in his environment, he's in the moment, he's in the now. 
He's not thinking about the future. He's not thinking about the past. All he's doing is living in it. present moment so if we can be more like that i'm not saying let's be like tardigrades but what i am saying is if we can learn acceptance i think everybody will be a lot happier and i know i've been a lot happier since i've accepted and embraced life as it is